Good morning. So, things are going to be just a slightly bit different this morning. Even though I finished that last passage of the Sermon on the Mount last week in Matthew 7, I didn't get to actually finish things the way I wanted to. So I decided that this week I'd do that, finish it the way I wanted to. So, so one of the ways this is going to be different is it's not so much a sermon as it is a reflection about what I've seen and what the Lord has shown me throughout the series here of Sermon on the Mount. And then I'm going to read it again like I did at the beginning. In that sense, I want to finish the way I started, which is reading the entire Sermon on the Mount to you and you hearing these words. And my reason for well, you could say, why would you do that now? I mean, you did it at the beginning. And my reasoning is, is I'm firmly convinced that we will hear it differently this time than we did the first time because we've all walked through these passages. And when we start thinking about walking through these passages, the first thing that comes to my mind about this Sermon on the Mount is, is I used to look at it as just these sort of random, not really that well connected pieces of discourse that Jesus was just talking about stuff. I mean, at times I even wondered, did the authors, Matthew and Luke, did they just like leave out pieces of the sermon that Jesus said at times? Look, this is like my fourth or fifth time walking through the entire Sermon on the Mount. I even took it as a special Greek class, just the Sermon on the Mount by itself when I was in seminary. So I've got like six commentaries that are just on the Sermon on the Mount. So, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in this passage. And yet, even still, this time, there was things I never saw before. There was pieces that didn't connect before that connected this time. And in this very idea I was just mentioning about these separations and seeming disconnected they no longer look disconnected. They look like they actually fit together now. They make sense as to why he goes from anger to lust to retaliation and loving your enemies or how you get from the Beatitudes to salt and light. It makes sense now. And I'm hoping that those light bulbs have come on for you at times throughout this series. The other thing that stands out to me about the Sermon on the Mount, I cannot do this. How many times have I said that in the past two months? My Lord, it feels like I say it every sermon. I can't do this. This is this ethical standard that Jesus is calling us to live to in the Sermon on the Mount. I can't do this. And that seems to be part of the message he's trying to communicate. Without the Holy Spirit working within us and transforming us, no, we can't do this. You can't love your neighbors like you're supposed to, and you certainly can't love your enemies apart from the work of the Spirit. I mean, Randy was teaching us this morning in Acts chapter 10 of the uh, Gentiles at Cornelius' house coming to faith and receiving the Holy Spirit, and he did this fantastic job of explaining to us this morning about how big of an animosity that should have existed between Cornelius and Peter in that passage and loving your enemies. And apart from the working of the Spirit, that's just not possible. At least not for me. And then the idea of the Lord's Prayer, praying this way, 
Do we pray this simplistically? Are you serious? Come on, Jesus. You know that you have to have these sophisticated, high church prayers. That's what the Pharisees do. You want us to pray this simplistically? And then this whole confusion, at least in the beginning, for me about laying up treasures in heaven and and you're having your whole eye being a lamp of the body. And now I see what you mean, Jesus. But the treasures in heaven are really those things both here and there that we do through the power of the Spirit. That the darkness is chased away by the blood of Jesus and by the Holy Spirit's light and brightness in us. And then don't be anxious. We've talked a lot about that over the past several months that I've been with you. And about, we get wrapped up about the stuff that's just not that big a deal. And then, really judging rightly without being critical in our spirit. I mean, I'm 57. I'm like, maybe I'm starting to get that to a place where I can do that. You know, be discerning without being critical. And then sometimes I just do it anyway. And then trusting and believing that if we ask him for something, he's actually going to give it to us. I mean, and then, you know, towards the end of chapter seven, in the end of this sermon, he talks about the uh, knowing him, the people who can even say, Lord, we did these different things like prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do all kind of mighty works in your name. And then Jesus look at us at the end of time and go, Sorry, I never knew you. What's your name? How frightening that sounds to me that you could stand in front of Jesus and you go, who? What? What's your name? I don't know you. But the solution to that is knowing him. And I use that illustration from the sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 16. 17, where they were invoking Jesus' name without having any knowledge of who he was, just because it was a good little trick to get rid of demons. And just we, we, To know him like we know the most intimate relationships in our, in our lives. And then building our house on the rock. And then probably one of the most important pieces of the whole sermon are the last two verses. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For, or because, anytime you see the word for in your Bible, you can just substitute the word because. Because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Can you imagine the stunningness of the people who sat on that Galilean hillside that day on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, listening to this itinerant preacher from Nazareth stand there and speak as one who has authority about what he's saying. In in one sense, it was probably stunning versus what they were used to seeing and hearing, which was, you know, the scribes would sit down and say, well, on one hand, God could be saying this, and on the other hand, God could be saying that. 
Reminds me of the experience of President Truman when post-World War II, when he was trying to continue to navigate the U.S. through a a post-World War II economy, and he would talk to economists and say, so what's going to happen here? What do you see occurring? And they would say, well, on one hand, we think things are going to go this way, but then on the other hand, they might go this direction. And it was then that President Truman said, can anybody find me a one-handed economist? It's kind of the way it was for the people in that day with the scribes. Can anybody find me a one-handed scribe? Somebody who can tell me, what does God say here? And here comes Jesus doing that. That sort of refreshed, finally, someone who can speak with authority about what God has said in the Old Testament and what He says now. And all these pieces, just, there's a sweetness to it that wasn't there before. And I don't know, I mean... An important question for each of you today is very simply, what from this whole Sermon on the Mount has stood out? What has grabbed your heart and your mind as you've heard the different passages and we've walked through them these past several weeks? And just as important, what is it that stands out now as you listen to it? So, If you want to follow along, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. You can either follow along or you could just close your Bibles and just listen and hear it the way the first hearers heard it. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, How is its saltiness to be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works And give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same 
will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, 
What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Beware of practicing righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in season secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive also yours. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient of the day is its own troubles." Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. O Lord, We pray that your words would sink deep into our souls. That where conviction is needed, we would be convicted by your words through the power of the Spirit. Where encouragement and edification is needed in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls, that these words would edify and encourage us to walk in your ways and do what is right in the eyes of Jesus. We pray, Father, that you would bless us with everything you've promised in this Sermon on the Mount. That we would be children of God who walk in your ways, who enjoy your presence, taste the goodness of the Lord, who receive what we ask from you, and because you give it to us willingly, that we would be these kinds of people, that we would be this kind of person, that you, Holy Spirit, would come and transform us, working in our minds, in our hearts, and into the very depths of our souls, so that we love you deeper and richer, and we are actually able, by the power of your presence, Holy Spirit, to be this person you call us to and be this kind of church that you call us to. And we pray to you, Heavenly Father, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us and your will and your ways for us as a church and for us as individuals so that we would fulfill your will on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you that you love us And give your love to us. And we pray that by the power of the Spirit, we would receive your love and enjoy it. And we ask, Father, that you would hear our pleas to you. Even on this day. Pleas for our country. Pleas for our society. Pleas for this church. Pleas for our own lives. Please, for our neighbors and those around us whom still do not know you as their Lord and Savior. 
We praise you, Father, and thank you for what you have done. We, in hope, look forward to what you will do and enjoy what you are doing. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' holy, precious, blood-stained, blood-filled name. Amen.